Welcome to the Hughes of Leadership podcast, where we dive deep into the many prominent aspects of leadership. How does leadership show up in each of us? And how do we seek to have a positive influence on the lives of others? Just like hues vary, so does how we show up as leaders and how we may flex different hues depending on the moment, the task at hand, or the individual or team we're engaging. What hues are you using today? And which will you seek to further develop? I'm your host, DJ Menifee, Chief Enrollment Officer at Susquehanna University, and also the Chief Impact Officer for Menifee Duarte Consulting Group. And I look forward to diving into the hues of leadership conversation with our guests. As a reminder, season one focuses on people of influence, specifically those that have had a major impact on my leadership lens and philosophy. So it is at no small measure that I'm blessed to introduce our guest for today. He is a human resource leader and certified professional coach with more than 30 years of experience, half of which was spent in consumer electronics and healthcare. He concluded his professional life as a chief human resource officer at Anthem, a Fortune 30 company now known as Elevance Health, located in Indianapolis, Indiana. And for the last nine years, he has served as a career mentor to over 250 undergraduate business students, has served as a leadership coach for over 80 MBA students and 20 high potential staff, and has also served and chaired on the hiring committees for the provost and vice president for human resources at Butler University. So without further ado, please welcome to the show, Randy Brown. Hey, Randy, how you doing? I'm great. Good to be with you, DJ. It is such an honor and privilege to, to share this space with you, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. And as a reminder for our guest, uh, there is a specific reason uh, that I have sought out uh, the guests that we've had on our show this season. And so that is no different for Randy. Uh, and Randy has had an impact on my leadership through his ability to support me in embracing feedback uh, as a leader and how to act upon that feedback while still being able to be my authentic self. Uh, and so, so Randy, once upon a time, served as my first uh, executive coach uh, during my time at Butler. Uh, and I felt like that was such a, tr a transformational experience for me and understanding how to review, how to assess, uh, and how to self-reflect on the feedback that I have and how to actually incorporate that uh, while being mindful of my strengths and being mindful of who I am and how I show up as a leader. So so thank you so much, Randy, for that experience. Uh, and I'm, I'm thoughtful and, and sure that those that you have have played a similar role to in the Butler community, uh, that they are just as impacted as I have been. Well, that was very, very generous of you, DJ. And I can assure you it was a joy ride for me to be your coach. Uh, we we really did some good work together. And one of the things I enjoyed about working with you was how diligent you were on wanting to grow and get better. And and I think really when you enter into coaching, that's half the battle. So uh, no small surprise to me that, um, that your career has taken off the way it has. And it was just really good to get to know you when we did our work together and to stay connected. Well, I appreciate that recognition, Randy, and even more so on how our conversation will unpack over the next half hour or so. But we've had a chance to connect and think through kind of the hues that Randy wanted to unpack for us today. And so we'll go ahead and get started with that first hue. And the first hue that Randy wanted to, to chat about was leadership of self. And so, Randy, I'm going to turn the keys over to you. And if you wouldn't mind uh, helping us understand what you mean by that and also unpacking that in terms of what that looks like in your day to day. Sure. So, you know, when I reflect back um, and I love the concept of the hues, I thought about the different 
times in my life where leadership took on a different form uh, for me. And so it, it, it kind of struck me that there were three distinct phases of my life where leadership looked different. I, the first was in my 20s, uh, and that's where I'm focused on leadership of self. Um, you know, before you can lead others, you almost kind of have to get your own act together. And for me, post-college, my early uh, mid and then late 20s was a time where I had to really sort of decide I was going to lead my life, um, who I wanted to be. And so when I talk about leadership of self, it's kind of that journey to to be intentional about who I wanted to be, not just in it in work uh, and in a work setting, but in life. So I was very fortunate when I was 24. I had a wonderful boss. His name was Ed Hill. I still remember him. And he sat down and he gave me a, a review and he said, uh, Randy, you're doing a great job. I was at work now. I was in entry-level HR work. He said, you're doing a great job. Your relationships with people are stellar. Your uh, quality of work is great, but your quantity of work is only so-so. And I was kind of stunned. I, I was used to getting A's. I, you know, that felt like a C, and I, I didn't like that. Uh, so I probed on Ed, and I said, um, you know, can you tell me more? And he said, bluntly, he said, you have to realize that college is over, meaning your your goal in, in work now is not to do the least you can and get an A. It doesn't work like that in the real world. He said, you're going to have to discretion, show us a little discretionary effort, a little hustle, a little like you want to be here. And so really early in my life, I had this kind of wake up call that the shift from doing as little as I could and still getting an A to really showing up in the workplace with energy, with with a vibrant approach, was going to be a difference maker for me. And it was thanks to Ed Hill and his coaching and guidance at a very early age that I was able to grasp that. And so that was one form of leadership of self that, you know, I had to show up in the world and, and you know, um, give my best and put some put some hustle into things. And from that point on, I thought about being more intentional in what I did. I raised my hand and said, you know, I'd love to to be in a managerial role. And I got my first opportunity when I was 26. And then lastly, through that last section of kind of finding my own way, I was fortunate to be at a company that was acquired by GE. And at the time, GE was was really it was actually rated the most respected company in the world. And um, and so because of that, I was given an opportunity to learn how they focused on leadership development and highlighting and finding talent. And being in HR, I got exposed to that. So, you know, before I could really lead at a larger level, I had to decide who I wanted to be, how I wanted to show up. I had to then kind of step into my first management role. And then I got I got schooled in a good way in you know, how it is that in uh, companies and organizations look to develop leadership. So that was the period of life that, that I call my sort of leadership of self period. Thank you so much, Randy, for, for unpacking that. And, and some of the key threads that came through for me, the focus on intentionality of mm -hmm. the individual and how they want to approach their career path and their journey. Uh, so leading with intentionality and purpose. I think the other piece to that is is thinking through the framework of uh, leadership development, whether it is on your own journey or what the organization can provide and facilitate in terms of that development. 
uh, and which can start at as early as onboarding all the way through the various ways in which professional development shows up for us in our in our career trajectories. You know, one of the questions I wanted to follow up with you on is, is this notion of, of your segment on leading self was earlier in your career, given the experience you have in mentoring and coaching um, younger students, as well as folks at different aspects in their career. Have you seen that that people find their sense of self at various times of their of their career trajectory and at various times of their leadership journeys? Or do you feel like it's something that is more value to kind of confirm that and identify that earlier, earlier in one's career? You know, I think it's uh, that's a great question. And I, I'm convinced now more than ever that I've been working with college students for the last several years, that it's a lifelong journey. And there's just distinct periods that are that are kind of um, where we all go through some common things for the most part. Um, you know, when you work with 18 to 22 year olds, uh, they show up as older kids and they leave as young adults. And the whole the, the learning that happened in that four year journey through college really helped them decide, you know, not what they're going to do for the rest of their life career wise, but a little bit about who they are and what they enjoy and what they value. And it's a, it's a real reflective time in their life. And then I always tell my kids when they graduate, look, you know, when you're 22, um, you're just going to begin to learn what's out there and what you want to do in the world. So keep learning, put yourself in an environment where you feel like you're being developed and you're growing and that you enjoy getting up and doing what you're doing every day. And, and the rest will begin to take care of itself if you keep your eyes open and if you're very intentional about who you are and what you want to try and be. So um, I, I firmly believe different people grow at different paces, but we all go through the stage of figuring out what matters to us, not knowing what's out there, and then finding our way through really our experiential journey through life. So as we kind of capstone leadership of self uh, with remarks from you in relationship to also considering like what is meaningful, what matters. Now we're transitioning into the hue number two. Uh, the second hue that you wanted to discuss and unpack for us was professional leadership. So again, I'm going to turn the keys over for you to, to walk us through that. And then also how that has shown up, whether it's in relationship to those that you're mentoring and coaching or also how that may reflect in the various aspects of your, your long trajectory of your career. Yeah, I think, you know, the reason I want to highlight leadership of self before I got into larger responsibilities, um, jobs where I had to manage managers and large groups of people, I really had to get my own act together. Again, who am I? How do I lead? What does good leadership look like? How do I like being led? What can I learn about leadership as a as a category of study? And then after that kind of self-reflection and building it into my own brand, if you will, then I was more ready, still learning, though, to take on larger levels of responsibility. So what I'll call divisional um, leadership responsibility, where in my early 30s, I was responsible for a division of our company where I had to manage other managers who managed people. And I had to be responsible for larger groups of clients um, and then ultimately Really, I would say this period of my life was between my 30s and my early 50s, where I kind of moved to what I'll call enterprise leadership. So, you know, the, the functional lead for at the, at the time it was ultimately Anthem, a very large company. We had 45,000 employees. And so when you're in that kind of a role, you, you know, you really have to not just lead the team you have, 
but you have to be responsible for joining the top team of the company to decide where are we going to go? What are we? What companies are we going to acquire? How are we going to function? What what should our culture be here? So you're you're leading vertically, but you're leading also horizontally in a twofold way. Your own vertical, the HR function for me, and all that goes with that. But then the top team of the organization. And so being in that role, you really have to you have to get good at understanding what your organization is trying to achieve. Um, consistent messaging and and adapting to the world around you. And I think we had to do that quite a bit. Um, also, we had to get good at acquiring and integrating companies. We acquired 10 companies when I was at Anthem, and a large part of my life was leading people through change. Because if you're part of an organization that gets acquired, believe me, change is a coming. And you, know, you need people to kind of help you anticipate that. So I'd, I'd say that was like the next phase of my career taking what I learned when I was an individual, expanding it into larger and larger areas of responsibility where the stakes were a little higher, the scope was a little bigger. So I have a follow-up question, Randy. As you were sharing your journey and reflection, it made me think about when I was able to transition into the role that I currently have. And that was the first time in my career where I needed to be much more mindful of how I contributed to the whole versus the, the, the maybe the narrow micro level of my division. And so can you reflect on anything as far as your journey of what that transition was like for you, where you went from, I just need to be maybe a little more focused on what I'm doing in HR to I'm also now a thought leader for the trajectory of the organization. Right, right. And, and I remember that feeling and you're absolutely right. You've done that now having gone from where you were at Butler to where you are now at Cisco Hanna, because you have that dual role yourself. And I remember it being scary. I mean, can I, can I truly contribute to things that I'm not a deep expert in, you know, <laughs> and because guess what? You have to, right. And so what that forces that forced me to do, probably you and many others is it forces you to learn. It forces you to learn more about things that are beyond your primary domain of expertise. And so, you know, that whole notion of um, lifelong growth and lifelong um, learning, you know, to be able to contribute at a larger level, you have to get comfortable that, hey, I'll never be a full expert on this, but I'm definitely going to have a perspective and a point of view, and I'm going to learn what I need to know about our strategy, about these other functions that I'm impacting in a way that I can really add value. And so it's like you get past the fear that I might say something stupid or, or be uninformed and you just you, you skill up, you learn up and you and you speak up and hopefully you learn up and skill up be, you, before you speak up too much. You know, the more <laughs> you shouldn't be afraid to, you know, offer your own point of view. But usually the more you learn, the more comfortable you get speaking up. And that I think that's a very natural evolution that, that lots and lots of people go through. This is one of those uh, portions of, of a conversation where I wish our audience can see our body language and how we're reacting to just the topic at hand uh, because of the familiarity with it, with it all. And, and having navigated that in, in many ways, still feeling that I'm navigating that journey of what it means to now be a contributor to the, the broader success of the enterprise and to have to contribute to broader topics that won't always intimately touch the work that that I do. Um, the, the other follow-up question I had is you alluded to in, in a couple of different aspects, the value of lifelong learning. 
And so can you shed any light for as you were transitioning into kind of this phase of enterprise leadership? And I'm not looking for a percentage, Randy. I'm not looking for X amount of hours per day. But but as you were transitioning into this space, do you have a sense of how much time you were still spending in the skilling up portion and and still for focusing on still trying to grow as a leader in addition to supporting the manager of manager of managers uh, in the enterprise? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think it's it's kind of hard. To, you're right. It's hard to put a number on it. But I would say earlier in my life and in my career, it was it was about developing functional expertise. OK, so how do you do recruiting? How do you do pay and benefits administration? How do you uh, learn what your company um, does and how your company grows market share and adds customers, makes money, those kind of things. And then and then it becomes more situational leadership applied to a real life thing that you have to now do. So, for example, as I grew into more of the enterprise role, I had to learn, um, you know, how what the process was to acquire companies and integrate them, what the rules of engagement were, and then how to effectively integrate a company once you bought it. And then you think you've learned it, and then you realize that you've done one merger, you've done one merger, right? Each company has its own unique characteristics. And so you, the whole notion that, that, that the learning never ends, well, I just bought three companies in the last three years. Now we're going to acquire a fourth. If I think I know exactly what that's going to be like, then I'm foolish, because one of the things I should have learned in the last three was each company has its unique attributes and to make the integration successful, you have to pay attention to that organization. So I think the one thing I kept learning is that you never stop learning. You, you keep building and adding to the portfolio of functional skills, larger skills, but then you have to apply them one person at a time, one situation at a time, one challenge at a time. And when you look at the fact that each person you engage with, each challenge you engage with, each situation you engage with is going to be somewhat unique it's kind of vibrant. It kind of, it keeps you, it keeps me energized, right? That, you know, I'm, I'm never quite there and every adventure is going to be just a little bit new. And I can probably guesstimate because I was not there for any of those experiences on how, when you demonstrated that each company through merger was different, mm -hmm. when you demonstrated through the many people you've been responsible for leading, developing, or coaching, that you signaled that for each one of them, you recognize that they were unique and then themselves mm -hmm. that that paid a lot forward because, you know, in our space, whether it's an organization or an individual, we appreciate being recognized for who we are and how we show up and that that may not be the same as the next person. It may not be the same for the next department, division, uh, nor the next company or organization if it is in terms of a, of a merger. And so, that is, is phenomenal for our guests to just kind of conceptualize that that variation is key in how you approach each situation, um, as you talked about kind of the developing the skill of situational analysis, but also in terms of, of how we engage the, the human side of things. No, no pun intended. Uh, and the, the human beings. So, you know, we're going to transition here at this point to uh, Hugh number three, Randy and. Uh, Q number three was positioned as give back leadership, uh, which I'm also assuming is is highlighting a different phase of your journey. And so I'll turn the keys over to you and, and allow you to unpack that for us. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, it's it was fun between my 30s and 50s to grow 
and uh, take on new challenges and, and, you know, really kind of go through very unique and, and interesting times of what I would call big scalable leadership and prove that I could do it. You know, I was just a regular blue collar kid. My family had never gone to college and to move into kind of leadership roles in a very large corporation was just, it was like every once in a while, I'd say, am I sure I belong here? I'd quickly remind myself, yes, if I, if I stay on it and then, you know, just keep doing it. Well, I've, I often saw people, you know, with my lens of leading HR between their fifties and sixties drift through that period because they didn't, they didn't know what their identity would be if they stopped doing what they were doing. They built up a reputation as someone good. And so they kept going, even though, um, you know, I always felt there were no guarantees in life, um, how long we get to live on this earth. So I just decided that after having achieved what I wanted to achieve, uh, largely in my early to mid fifties, that it was time for me to walk away from that, which was making me feel good and accomplished and comfortable and start giving back and start doing something unique with my time. And so because of good fortune and um, the ability to have good uh, rewarding jobs, you know, I stepped away from the corporate role and decided I wanted to do something where it was just about giving back. And, um, and so I started doing that when I was 55. And how I began doing it was just, I read, there was a great book I read called Portfolio Life that said you kind of have to lead your post-work life like a portfolio, taking care of your physical well-being, your spiritual well-being, your intellectual challenge, your your purposefulness, and kind of think about all those things as you like you would an investment portfolio, except that now you're invest diversify so that you're investing in yourself. And then know what really jazzes you. And so I kept talking out loud to people that would be interested in listening about what I thought I wanted to do. And I thought I wanted to work with young people. And it was always way back in my 20s, I thought I wanted to be a teacher, but but I wanted to also get into business and earn some money. So yeah, that that teaching itch never left, but I, I didn't think I wanted to do formal classroom stuff. So I kept talking and talking. And finally, this 25-year-old young man sitting in a meeting where I was talking to other people, primarily not him, spoke up and said, I think I know what you want to do. He said, I went to Butler University and we had this career mentor program. And what you're describing is exactly what it sounds like you want to do. And I said, young Andrew, tell me more. <laughs> and he told me more. And fast forward, he connected me to the right people. He was right. And so what I learned from that was, you know, when you want to enter this phase of life, whenever that happens for you, where you want to primarily give back, you have to you have to be thoughtful. You have to be uh, strategic. You have to be intentional. And you have to you have to think out loud, because the more you think out loud, the more people can help you find out what that thing might be. You know, I had a, my college roommate who I knew for 30 years. I said, I thought I wanted to work with high school kids. And he said, no, 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 you want to work with college kids. And I said, why? He said, I know you. I know what you, I know you don't want to like um, be overly handholding. You, you don't, and I've worked with, he was a teacher and he had worked with younger kids. He said, you want to get them when they're 18. That's your sweet spot. And boy, was he right. So the ability to be self-aware, intentional, and to let other people help you pick what may be right for you led me to work at Butler. And when I got to Butler, um, I enjoyed the academic setting. 
I really didn't know much about the university. I had lived here for a long time and it was, it was in my town, but I, I then learned what a wonderful, wonderful place it was uh, for many people and for me. And I've been there for the last nine years. Just quickly, my primary role is to work with undergrads to help them figure out their um, their initial career uh, focus and then get them ready for it through internships, job search, all the career readiness stuff that you do. But I get to work with them all four years and you build a really close relationship when you do. I also work with MBA students uh, who are in a leadership uh, program to help them develop uh, a leadership development plan, high potential staff. That's where we got to meet uh, because you were one of those folks and then do some fun projects that I had no idea that I would do. So that's kind of um, um, what I meant by this phase of my life. And that's how it's kind of taken shape for me. So there were, there were three threads there that I wanted to kind of pull forth for the audience. The first and, and you didn't use this language, so I'm, I'm paraphrasing in my own terms, but you talked about a, a period of life where reflecting on your history and your background, there were times where you were asking yourself, am I supposed to be here? And so it, it made me think about the imposter syndrome and how many of us carry that at various stages of our careers. When we get opportunities at, at, at points in times, we, we may challenge ourselves to ask if we even deserve it. Um, do we know what we're supposed to know to thrive and to be successful and to lead others? And so I appreciate you bringing that thread to life. Um, the other one, which is interesting because it's a part of my um, EDD curriculum right now uh, in a leadership course, is this notion of or the question is, is what is my identity and who am I really outside of what I do? And so that has been a journey that I've been on right now. And I appreciate you bringing that to light in your journey um, or in others journey in a certain age range of time, maybe because I am asking myself in this season of life, what is my identity outside of enrollment management? What is my identity outside of college admissions? Can I still identify who I am and feel like I can contribute value if I don't do that, if I'm not connected to that, if that's not how people, how people see me. And so I very much appreciate you bringing that to light. And the third one, Randy, was you acknowledged a couple of different people that maybe have been in close proximity to you for a long time and, and maybe some that had just met you that contributed to you. And so I, I noted that as the support network around you in terms of them contributing to you and saying, like, I know what fills your cup. I've seen you in action. Here's the recommendation. I think you're reading it wrong. And so thinking about those that are around us that that see us in so many different facets of life that can not only lift us up, but challenge us in terms of maybe what we think is ideal versus them having some practical experiences and seeing us in action and contributing to to an alternative of what they think may be good for us. Yeah, boy, you pulled some uh, some pretty uh, important threads out of that. And, uh, and I appreciate it. And that last one, you know, I, I made this point, I'll just reinforce it again. A 25 year old guy who barely knew me and a guy who knew me for 30 years, the two of them together helped point me in the right direction. And only because I had a, I had the game plan figured out, but not the tactics. I didn't know specifically how to get there, but you know, and then when you, you let yourself be a little vulnerable and you say, I don't have it all figured out. And you talk to people, it's amazing where that help can come from if you just stay open to it. So yeah, I, I, it's a it's a lesson I learned as I've moved into this latest transition. And to and to your point about identity, 
you know, people as the, the older you get, and I'm now in my mid 60s, people ask you, well, you know, what uh, a young person asked me recently said, you know, when it's all said and done, how do you want people to remember you? And, you know, uh, I said, that's a great question. And he said, I, and my answer was, I, I want it. I want people to believe that I made a difference in their life. And the way I want that difference to be felt is that ultimately I, that I help individuals feel empowered, empowered to go out and do what they can do and be what they can be. And if that's if that's what people feel, you know, when they look back and reflect on the relationship we had, then, uh, you know, be quite content with the, you know, when it all wraps up. Quite the reflection, Randy, quite the reflection. So, you know, we've talked about leadership of self. We've talked about professional leadership. And lastly, we've talked about give back leadership all through your lens of kind of these aspects and chapters of your life. And so as we transition to close, the last question I want to ask is, is given the leadership background and experience you have, corporate higher education, um, age ranges of students trying to figure out life. And as they transition into adulthood, in addition to people who are at mid-levels of their career, have there been new aspects of leadership that you've been exposed to more recently uh, that you're like, hmm, that's interesting. How do I start to incorporate that in the ways in which I guide the people I'm developing, mentoring, or coaching? Or is there an aspect, given your leadership experience, where for all the strengths that Randy has had, there's this area that has still been a work in progress for you uh, in terms of how you show up as a leader. Well, I think I think um, we all live through it, and the, the the just when you think you maybe have, have experienced every kind of leadership or situation you can think of, then we have a global pandemic, and you have to <laughs> and you have to say, well, wow, how has that affected people? How does that affect me? How does that affect how I show up? How can I help people through this? this thing that is, you know, something that none of us really lived through before. I think, you know, that all that does, DJ, is it basically says to me, you think you got it all down, get ready, because you don't know what might happen that hasn't happened. Or um, when we think about, you know, the changes that face us in the world, you know, what could be, you know, how do we get ready for big changes that we all talk about? Um, How do we help, you know, I, I reflect with my with my young kids now, they've never lived through a period of politics where people cooperated. It's it's always been like just, you know, hard fighting. Um, short answer to your question, it's always going to be important to know yourself. It's always going to be important to have your priorities. It's always going to be implor- important to apply leadership at different levels, individualize it to the situation. And then you add to it and get ready for whatever may come. Because you can't always predict it. And if you're agile enough to say, when it comes, I'll reflect on it. I'll learn how to adapt to it and then apply my leadership skills to that new situation. Then you're kind of ready for anything, even though, you know, you may have not lived it before. So that's quite a way to, to close our conversation and, and thinking through what I would call frame frameworks for uncertainty. Like if you've <laughs> if you build your framework, uh, you've got your foundation set that allows you to be flexible to navigate whatever may may be coming your way. So I, I appreciate and value you sharing that as we come to a close. And I'm a big believer in, in what I call extending flowers. Um, and I want to make sure I'm extending flowers to you because, again, you've been tremendous in my development. 
not only in terms of when you were my executive coach, but even as we're having this conversation, you know, my, my pen's running out of ink over here in terms of the things that I'm picking up. Um, and I can't even wait to listen to to the show as if I, I didn't participate in it, just to really kind of sit through and reflect on the pieces that you've shared in the various phases of your life and how you can show up as a leader and how the audience can show up as leaders in that space. But but thank you for the, the coaching that you do. Uh, and thank you for the mentoring that you do, because you really are helping shape kind of the trajectory of where society is going to go with that. Well, and thank you, DJ. What an honor to be on your podcast, really. Um, and I, I would just love to say nothing gives me more joy than to see the people I've worked with shine. And you're certainly uh, shining in your own way and the the, the power, the powerfulness of your leadership and the impact that you're going to have on other people just, you know, is exciting to think about. And so thank you for the opportunity to be here and um, continues to be a joy and, and best of luck. Thank you. Thank you, Randy. We appreciate that. So to our guests, as you transition to work or home from work, as you head into lunch or you're transitioning in between meetings, as you transition in professional development time you have for yourself, whether that's each day or each week, or as you transition between work time and time for yourself and with loved ones, let's reflect on and consider incorporating these hues in our lives. Thanks for tuning in to the Hues of Leadership podcast. And remember to ask yourself, what hues will I use today and which will I seek to further develop? Thank you. Thank you.